This is the Watch Geek Time Podcast. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Watch Geek Time. This is the WatchGeekTime.com podcast. It's a conversation about heritage, history, and why we're so hooked on horology. Sit back and relax, because we're going to talk about everything from watches to watches. The WatchGeekTime.com podcast is recorded live on Saturdays between 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. Pacific time. I am your host and in-house watch geek Scott Goldman on the boards as always is. Hey, it's Jody. Hey, we got a special guest in the studio with us, Jonathan Ward. Hey, Jonathan. Good morning. Thanks for coming down and hanging with us. Always fun. <laughs> Jonathan had a bit of a rough night, I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't have much of my voice left, not to mention my mental capacity. All right, so we will, we'll ride the gain. <laughs> we'll ride the gain on uh, Sexy Voice Man. So before we get into the show, we always want to know what everybody's wearing. So Jody, you got what on? Yeah, today? I brought big blue today. Just the uh, the diver Seiko monster. Yeah. What about you, Jonathan? I'm rocking a late '30s UG Tricompax. Nice. You want to tell us what a Universal Geneva is all about and why that one's so special, please? Well, it's first of all the fact that it's a Four subdial that they call a tricompax, which I've always found quite interesting. But what, what does that mean? Well, it means I don't know what the hell they were thinking. <laughs> there's three <laughs> dials, right? There's three dials. No, there's, there's like four. There. There's four subdials, and your primary. It handles two different time zones and then flight timing. This one's pretty beat to hell, but in what I consider a really cool way, it catches the light. It's got great patina. Mm-hmm all original nothing's been screwed with and funny this you know me i'm a sucker for a story this one came with the original owner's um italian flight license his pilot's license wow that's so, some yeah. provenance huh? yeah so imagine the stories it could tell but it's cool right. for just like for a daily you know it's a great dual time zone watch and how it keeps good time still perfect yeah, I mean, I've only had it for about a week, but so far it's chugging along just fine. Jonathan's a major watch collector. He, our geekdom is challenged only by his, which we'll find out during the next 48 minutes. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, least of which will be the Icon watch, which is Jonathan's brainchild, which I can't wait to get to. Um, what else we got today? We're going to, our watch geek term is going to be jump hour and wandering minutes. So you'll help us with that too. And Why? Anybody notice there's a lot of jump hour watches come out this year? Crazy. A ton of mm-hmm. ton. Yeah, yeah. Basel was just full of them. And IWC, I think we both agree, is one of the coolest ones. Of them. Yeah, and they, they've got the longest history with them, too, which is cool, with the Paul Weber. That's right. That, that's a really slick watch. First, we got email, Joe. All righty. So we got the first email here from uh, Antonio Quarters. Uh, from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and he writes in, uh, what have we got here? Uh, As a watch collector, I've been on the hunt for a very specific timepiece, an Omega Chronostop. I have seen a variety of examples at a bunch of different price points, and I was curious what you thought would be a good price for a Chronostop in grade two or grade three condition. Oh, what a great question. Yeah, Antonio, you know, you've touched a 
a bit of a nerve. With yeah, me. don't expect an honest answer out of Scott because he's been on the hunt for one too. In fact, he's put the APB out, so I've sent him what probably five or six. Emails yeah, but of leads. it's all the same watch from the same right, place. It's damn Knights of Nightbridge, Night, whatever. Nightbridge. Yeah. Um, by the, smells funny over there. <laughs> well, it, because if you want to buy a grade four watch, sure, spend eighteen hundred bucks. But there's a lot of examples out there. Yeah, you know what, though? I, I think it's one of the underappreciated Omegas of that era. And they came with some really funky uh, dial color variants that don't seem to impact the asking price. That funky 24-hour dial is kind of interesting. I hate 24-hour dials. But even if it's just a 12, but there's like there's a really cool kind of like Merlot burgundy one I've seen. I've seen a blue dial variant. I've seen the slate grays, the standard black. There's... there's uh, well, there's a... There. But, and as you know, I've put a bid... Two three hundred pounds over asking price through those people you just mentioned. I'm afraid to mention them. They right, in case they could be a sponsor one they, day. They threatened to sue me. Oh well, they didn't threaten to sue me, and I, and some, I don't like the stench <laughs> over there. See the same watches showing back up again, cycle after cycle. Jonathan's talking about the fact that I overbid by fifty dollars. I was overbid by fifty dollars. I thought it was the auction house. They claimed not, and then the watch mysteriously showed up at the next auction and mysteriously had sold at the auction you got outbid on <sighs> you guys would be surprised how perturbed scott was in that situation he there was some whining i've let's, been hunting on it i'd been hunting well i tell you what i got outbid i thought this was an auction <laughs> oh god i don't know why i'm busting your balls so much this morning but you're, it's you're, kind of fun well they're out there for the busting i guess um Anyways, I wouldn't spend more than two grand on this watch, and I wouldn't get it from Knightsbridge Auctions either. Next question. <laughs> okay, so this one is from Donnie Pascal from Fort Lee, New Jersey. And Donnie writes in, Dear Scott and Chatty, my father recently passed away and left me a shoebox full of old watches. There are even a couple of vintage Rolexes. Some of them look very nice, others not so much. Would you happen to have a trusted source in New York or New Jersey that can give me a good idea of uh, of what the watches are worth? Thanks in advance for the info. A trusted source in New Jersey sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> I'm trying to be funny. Sorry, Donnie. Uh, there's a couple of guys in the tri-state area I like. I like Gary Videta and his partner Alex at elementintime.com. They're very trustworthy. They'll tell you what the watch is worth. They'll even tell you what they're willing to buy it from you for if you were looking to sell some of them. Older Rolexes and the like are sometimes worth a lot of money depending on the condition. So I would trust them. I knew a guy in Toto, Totowa. By the way, Gary's number 646-756-4859. There was also a guy named Lance in Totowa at the Totowa Watch Repair. I don't know if he's still there, but if you're not far from Totowa, you can check him out. Totowa. Totowa. Totally Totowa. <laughs> New Jersey has lots of great names. Mawa. You know, Sikakis. Yeah, we stole them from the Indians we kicked out. That's right. Basically. We threw all the Indians up. That's how we roll. Masapiqua. Zephyr. No, it's not Zephyr. I don't know. You're you're doing pretty good for a West Coast. Was I? I'm from East Coast, and you've already outdone me in Jersey <laughs> knowledge. Hoboken. I was thinking it's the Hoboken Zephyrs. All right, next question. All right. So 
This one comes from Sasha Sandstrom from Tucson, uh, Arizona. Okay. She writes in, uh, I would like to get my girlfriend a nice watch for her upcoming birthday. On past shows, I've heard you mention that the watches from Michael Kors are not to be purchased. <laughs> Can you shed some light as to why this particular brand is on your blacklist? Oh, Sasha. Sasha, have you heard of Luxottica? <laughs> That's the brand. It's like the big devil in the room that does all the luxury sunglasses and you see Prada and this company and that company. And they basically make them for everybody at the same factory out of the same crap materials right. and then just throw a logo on it. Kind of same story here. Wouldn't you say, gentlemen? Yeah. I'd say yeah. you're about right. Yeah. I think they're on the blacklist um, because for $200, you can get something a hell of a lot better that's not going to fall off your wrist. I would just even go on eBay and find some no-name vintage Swiss coolness and get her something that's that's far more unique. Well, you know, uh, the thing is, though, is a lot of these, the, the, especially the girls, they like those. I don't know why, but they love those watches from Michael Kors and Nixon, and I don't know what the deal is. At least go Shinola, because at least then you have distinct design language and quality manufacture given the price point, and mm -hmm. they're good people, they're friends. But you know, you know what else is kind of funny is Josh Croman, our buddy, he had a girl come into the shop with her mom with a, with a, a, Kors, a Kors, yeah, and she had to have the bracelet adjusted and he took one like like a, he said it was like a thread on a sweater he took one bracelet one little link out the whole thing spilled out all over the floor the girls when she's in tears and now there's a sign out front that says no michael kors watches <laughs> will be serviced here i always wondered how watchmakers felt when people would walk in for a battery change is that like the moment where you're, oh, what have I done? I should have gone to, should have gone to law school. Like, is that a heartless, gut wrenching moment for watch service places? You know, it's funny because Josh is not the guy who will do the battery service in the shop. One of the other watchmakers who sits up front does all those little tiny repair stuff, like a link or this or that, or a battery. But but, but that, does he become an alcoholic? Yeah, I think he. I don't think he becomes one. I think he is one. Perfect from the get go. You know, well, who can say? But I knew. A, you remember Feldmar? Sure. There was a guy who sat up front named Andres, and that's all he did was the battery repair. I'm sure he was an alcoholic. Yeah, if he wasn't, he is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we love your questions here on Watch Geek Time. Email us, Scott at WatchGeekTime or uh, WatchGeekTime.com or Jody at WatchGeekTime.com. Tweet us on the Twitter at WatchGeekTime on Instagram, Instagram.com slash WatchGeekTimePix, P-I-X. We'll take pictures of the watches that Jonathan brought with us, him today and we'll put them on the website at WatchGeekTime.com and like that. So uh, you're not reaching for the board yet, so I guess we got a little time left. Jonathan brought his Icon watch with him today. I'm going to open the box. Jody, you tell me what you think when we... Let's have a look at this. Unveil. Yeah. That's one hell of a box. It's, it's, it's amazing. So the, it it's, comes in a black lacquer box. It's got the Icon logo on the top, which is the lizard, which we'll talk about after commercial. Jody's got the watch in his hand. It's a jump hour watch. It's got wandering minutes. It's a black Highly polished piece of onyx on the dial. Crocodile strap. 
Crocodile, uh, alligator. Alligator, sorry. Crocodile is. Uh, I'll miss Dryland and say. <laughs> yeah, only you guys. Only you guys down under get to wrestle with the crocodile, not us. It's wonderful, and the uh, the 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 rotor in the back, the uh, gecko on the back, is just amazing. Thank you. Yeah, he was a it's, long bit of work to get him dialed in. On the box is the only thing I really cheated on because the spun pewter logo. Uh, the insert coin that's from uh, one of our electric bikes that we do that we recently yeah. discontinued so it's like there you go wow. and there's the band playing us out Jody wants one it's the watchgeektime.com podcast listen to our words from our sponsors we'll be right back What does your watch say about you? Right now it's saying you could have more money in your pocket. You see, the real real, the world's finest seller of authentic luxury items, can help you sell any fine watch that you're ready to move on. Our master watchmakers and horologists will give you a free quote. There's no obligation to consign, but if you do, you could make twice as much as through other watch resellers. Learn more and earn more at therealreal.com/radio. That's therealreal.com/radio. Farmers presents 15 seconds of smart. So you want to drive more safely. Stop eating. Take deep breaths. Avoid bad weather. Get eight hours. Turn it down. And of course, talk to farmers. Hi. Hi. We are farmers. And now, here's the watch geek, Scott Goldman. Watch Geek Time. This is the WatchGeekTime.com podcast. It's a conversation about heritage, history, and why we're all hooked on the Icon brand. Our guest with us is Jonathan Ward. In 1996, Jonathan Ward and his wife, Jamie, started an exclusive Toyota Land Cruiser service company called TLC. The company grew, and Jonathan could see the direction the collector's market was headed. In response... Icon, a new company, was born to address the enthusiasts' ever-growing demand for classic cars, particularly those patrons desirous of high-tech performance married to classic styling. Thus, vintage transportation revisited in a modern context. Yeah, modern context. I'm going to say that again. That is a contest. It's, what, it's, it's, it's very important I say that again. It's vintage transportation revisited in a modern context. Some will call it bespoke automaking. And it is no secret that Jonathan is also a watch geek like us, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And as we've discussed many times on this show, the Icon Doozy Watch is finally here. Welcome to Watch Geek Time, Jonathan Ward. Howdy. So uh, before we start talking about the watch, what? how did you gravitate from uh, a career in Hollywood to a career in transportation? I just wanted... I'm a creative guy. I'm always driven by that. And I found more and more that uh, in entertainment, I had way less control over the 
creative process and finished project. So even something that my heart was totally into and I, I'd give it 110% and then it could still suck. Mm. So that and, and I had, uh, I had a stalker that was getting pretty bad and, and it made me stop and go, no, wait a minute, what's happening here? Cause I'm far from famous. I'm like maybe teeny bopper known and life's, Wait a minute. Well, friends that are really famous, I don't want that life. So what am I right. doing here? Mm. So cars were always my hobby. And I just uh, went So it wasn't it. something that your dad was into necessarily. No. Just, just you happened to gravitate towards cars. And I know you had a, a roommate and you, the two of you would do buy and sell cars. Yeah. I mean, at that point, we were kind of doing whatever we needed to do to keep up with the mortgage as we were, you know, turning of an age where we weren't working as much as we had been when we were younger. And as I found, I was less passionate about it all in all. Mm. So creatively, I was getting the fulfillment out of restoring. And capitalistically, it was fun to get that creative push and then sell it and turn a profit, pay the mortgage. I was like, hmm, this could be fun. And I saw that the old Land Cruisers from, from my travels around all over the place globally, that you get to really remote locales where your vehicle can literally be the difference between life and death there there was a serious i mean look at australia and the relationship with the land cruisers oh so you you you're aware of they're everywhere over there yeah and and they built the country and same with many regions around the world so i just thought that people would appreciate those if we restored them and gave them the same sort of attention that a old mustang or mercedes would have been getting this is in the early 90s when really four buys, the most they'd get's a $400 paint job and some chrome wheels. Mm. So we were fortunate in that that turned out to be the case. And over time, we were able to keep going and growing the company. It is a rather interesting story about that particular, ve- particular vehicle. A Toyota Land Cruiser sold new for 10 or maybe 12 Not even. Or yeah. 10 grand. And one that's been through TLC and goes back out on the market could fetch what forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, or more. I mean, the a, a properly restored, correct year vintage FJ forty these days is you know one hundred and ten, one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty. About that, yeah. we have one right now on bringatrailer.com, which is a super fun automotive website. It's a nineteen seventy eight, and it has five thousand two hundred. And 37 original mile. Oh so that vehicle we have the window sticker, it sold for like $8,600 when it was new. This auction's been up for two days and it's at $86,000. How about that? <laughs> so, but the, it's irreplaceable. It's, it's like total time capsule. I'd like to keep it personally, but no miles. No, it's a brand new truck. It's nuts. Unbelievable. Well, let's, since we were talking about the watch before the break, let's get back to the icon doozy watch inspiration. Well, I mean, when I was a little kid and in the country with nothing else better to do, my thing was sketching and, you know, doing design ideas. And it was always cars and watches. So it just happened that I went down the car route and was lucky to turn that into a business. And then as that business grew, I was able to indulge my perversion for watches And then over time, I really found myself yearning to make this exact watch. Um, When I saw my first early Duesenberg, like intimately, and and got into the killer dash design, 
it just immediately struck me when you look at the tachometer or the speedometer that, oh, that would make a really cool jump hour. Mm. So here I was years later, and uh, I thought I'd just realize that original idea. I was training in a new CAD program, so it became actually the perfect thing to work with on my tutor. And uh, the closer I got to it, the more it was like literally keeping me up at night and... I know traditionally for me, that's a sign <laughs> and it, it happened with icon being born. You know, I just had this idea and it got to the point of like a 3d model in my head. I could rotate and tweak and I'd be doing it in my sleep and on and on. I was like, okay, I need to stop and actually create this or I'm going to lose my remaining sanity. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting quotes from like Sven Anderson and the big boys to have one made. And I was like, uh, a one off. <laughs> yeah. A one of one. Then I was like, well, that's not going to fly. Mm -mm. Wait a minute. I should actually do this. I think there's, you know, watch geeks are car geeks. So I saw potential to, uh, really kind of double down and try and develop this as uh, a new line for icon. Well, it is gorgeous. Jody, why don't you pick it up out of there? By the way, it comes in a beautiful box. Piano black la lacquer box, icon logo on the top. You open the box, you get the watch in a tray, you lift the tray away. Room for five more watches. Pretty fantastic, by the way, Jonathan. Thank you, sir. Yeah, I designed the box from scratch. And then the, the thing that always bugged me is I literally in my attic probably have three huge boxes full of watch boxes. <laughs> and and what, what the hell are you going to do with them? And they're gorgeous. It's beautifully made. But Watch geeks sympathize with you, Jonathan. We have closets full of boxes. Yeah. And we are afraid to throw our boxes away. Provenance, all yeah. that stuff. You got to keep it. But my mm -hmm. thinking was it, it should be something that has utility, you know, both from a brand perspective, you want to keep your brand present in someone's life. Mm -hmm. And I don't like making stuff that doesn't have like layers of utility. So yeah, it's laser cut, stainless, reverse elbow flush hinges, spun pewter, um, inset logo on the top and then piano black. But when you get the watch the first time, you have the presentation of it on the tray, but then chuck the tray and then there's five pillows because my thinking was, well, in a perfect world, that gives them an opportunity to consume my next four watches or the whatever they have. Five watches. Next five watches because there's already room on top. I guess so. They could keep the tray in there. And, you know, it's interesting. You, you We talk about more icon watches. Why this one first? And such a limited run. Can we talk about both? Sure. I mean, it's a limited run probably because I'm a wuss and I, and I don't, I've never had investors and I, and I like to do things organically and, and uh, I geeked out on it to such an extent that the costs were, were getting pretty loopy because everything, you know, the, the, obviously the movement is a Dupree Dupra um, complication on a base ETA that already existed. And I did that just like I do in my vehicles where I'm, you know, great. We could design some freak mm -hmm. engine that no one has parts for or can service, but that's the whole not point. Mm -hmm. So I, I want it to be easy to service, but distinct, but like the crown, the crown stem, the case, the crystal, the clasp, the band, like the font, the, the typeface, all of it I designed from scratch to give it more continuity. Cause to me, so many high end, watch brands there's like no consistency in the dna like you can look at the watch and count multiple typefaces and fonts it's like well why is the date in that particular typeface that has no relationship 
with the aesthetic or worse yet, you see on watches and even the coloration of the date wheel is just asinine and ruins the lines of the watch. It's so. crazy making. It's crazy making because even brands like Panerai now are buckling under to consumers and what they want. They've gone away from their brand DNA. We were talking the, the about that. The loop's behind yeah. you, by the way. The loop is well, behind. also, I think it's not just that. You know, yes, like in the automotive world, the bigger the brand, the less they want to actually express an opinion in fear of alienating one potential buyer. But at the same time, I think it's that they're not really thinking on a deep level about all those details. So if that date wheel comes from the supplier and it's black on white or white on black and that's the font it comes in, then good enough. That's what it is. I don't believe in good enough, though. There's oh, enough you, shit your, in the your world. Your vehicles are the best, which we're going to talk about in a second. Hey, Jody. Yeah. After you're done studying that, we're going to talk about it when we come back. Sounds good. We'll be right back. We make you smarter about your insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that taking pictures of your belongings helps when you have a claim? Nice. Or that Farmers offers a policy that'll replace your car with a new one if it's totaled within the first two model years. And that parking near a street lamp deters thieves. The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. There is a watchmaking standard that is revered around the world. That standard comes from Rolex. From clasp to bracelet to its unique watertight oyster case, a Rolex holds its value because it was intended to. Crafted from just three precious metals, platinum, steel, and gold, each defies the ordinary. Its steel, 904L, virtually indestructible and corrosion resistant, is incomparable. Its patented Everose Gold, created in an exclusive foundry, will remain beautiful for life. Inside, a genuine Rolex movement is a product of superiority and remarkable testing. It is unrivaled. At Rolex, flawless standards create more than a watch. They create a value that was meant to endure. For a complete selection of Rolex timepieces, visit your official Rolex jeweler. Available at Lux Bond and Green Jewelers, Westport, Greenwich, and other locations throughout Connecticut and Massachusetts, where every box has a story. What does your watch say about you? Right now, it's saying you could have more money in your pocket. You see, the real real, the world's finest reseller of authentic luxury items, can help you sell any fine watch that you're ready to move on. Our master watchmakers will give you a free quote. There's no obligation to consign, but if you do, you could make up to 85% commission, twice as much as through other watch resellers. Learn more and earn more at therealreal.com slash radio. That's therealreal.com slash radio. Rolex, Patek Philippe, Jaeger Lecoultre, Omega, Cartier, Breguet, and just about any other watch brands that come to mind. This is the Watch Geek Time Podcast. A man came up to me and asked me what the time was that was on my watch. Yeah, I said, Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? Welcome back to Watch Geek Time. 
It's a conversation about heritage history and why we're hooked on horology. We record WatchGeekTime.com live on Saturdays between 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. Pacific time. I am your host and in-house Watch Geek Scott Goldman on the boards as always is. Hey, it's Jody. And our in-house guest is the amazingly talented and creative Jonathan Ward. We were talking about your watch, buddy, so we're going to get right back to that, okay? Okay. Uh, titanium case, why two different types of types of titanium? Well, because it's T2 and T5, and, well, the some people are actually allergic to the more common grade of titanium used in watches, and specifically one of my key clients is, so I took that into consideration just because I'd never heard that before, so it was kind of a cool fact. Also... So wait, so you're saying that the, which which type of, the the polished one, I think, is the one that people can be allergic to. Yeah, which is why I used it just on the front, and that one is, that one is able to achieve a cleaner and smoother polish. So the bezel on the watch is a highly polished titanium. Correct. that's the titanium... Five. Yeah, and then the T2 is, is, the, the, case, is the is the body of the watch, which takes a better silica blast. Mm-hmm. And everything I do, I'm I'm always doing like vintage, modern kind of funk and mashup. So I love the idea of resurrecting the tradition of an onyx style because it's just so deep and so beautiful. And again, you can achieve a perfect, perfect polish. But I don't think anyone's ever done like anything other than a gold or high polished stainless with a traditional onyx style. Or obviously that wasn't done back in the day. So I thought it was kind of interesting to be able to play with the different textures. Because a lot of my vehicles were all about advanced surface coatings and mm-hmm. PVDs and DLCs and powder coats and a lot of matte and sheen. So it was kind of fun in this project. To combine the, the those classic sensibilities with alternate modern finishes, also that silica blast to a certain extent is actually self healing. It's a titanium thingamajigger that they do. So what if you ding it or scratch it? it- yeah, if you if you get surface scratches, um, they'll actually sort of oxidize over the bridge of where the I surface is it. affected. So it just gives you a more stable finish, and and again, it's just a little bit different. The clasp on it, I was trying, was a real screw up actually originally. Omega did these wonderful, well, not just Omega, but that's when I became familiar with them. Back in the 40s, a lot of the Omega clasps had a central bridge. And then so the band would come through it. You'd put the prong through the hole and then you would return the tail of the band underneath the other side of the strap. It almost um, had like a turno shape too. It almost yeah, had like it had a, a little, curvature. Yeah, a little bit of arc to it. Yeah. And I always thought that was cool because then you don't need the keepers mm-hmm. and it's not flapping around and it just looks much cleaner. However, I found out the fun way after casting and you know making the prototype that that with a crocodile band is a really bad idea. That it, the band, the, the strap is not accommodating. No, because the natural ridges on the animal impact how well it'll flow under it. So it's like thump, thump, thump. And I found myself literally like on the ground, 
watch to thigh, one hand trying to pucker it out. I'm like, okay, this is just not working. So I had to go back to the drawing board and design another more conventional clasp. Well, it's great. And even the, uh, even the buckle is titanium. Yeah, that's T as well. And then again, the, the font on it is shared by any other letter or numeral throughout the watch. So there's, there's a high level of continuity through all that. And I didn't, I hate big showy logos on very simplistic watches. That always irks me. Mm-hmm. So my logo is on the face of it. It it's actually laser centered into the double AR crystals. You can't see it really unless you're off. The light has to hit it right. Yeah, I was going to say it straight on in this light. I can't see it, but then I move it, and you get this flash of icon, and then it disappears. It's it's quite a. And Jody, you were noticing earlier some of the hues in the crystal that you see. That's right. Yeah, when I was looking at the. the hours and the minutes they're white on the uh underneath the the dial there but then you get it in the right light and you get this flash of like a a, a faint purple and i was asking you jonathan about it what what is causing that so that's a dynamic of the anti-reflective coating on it which is the the best in the industry and it's on both sides plus being a geek watch geek of course I, i uh i designed the hell out of the crystal so the the radius on the top of the crystal is different than that of the bottom of the crystal, which in, in essence, you know, controls the reflection, which maximizes the depth and the beauty of the black onyx polish dial. But in turn, you, you actually start to get a little bit of color spectrum on it at certain angles, which is what's creating the dynamic that you're seeing. It is fantastic and um, just blown away at how good it came out. I've been on this journey with Jonathan. It's been about three and a half, almost four years now. Yeah, and and frankly, Scott, I I mean, you already know it, but just to be clear, it's not like you've been on the journey. You've been my crew member. It's been just us two silly kids on this boat, um, including trips to Switzerland and a lot of research. I mean, everything from meeting the, the top independent makers that have become friends to the top houses that we ended up partnering with through to literally meeting dudes with like trench coats and paper bags full of sample watches that <laughs> sitting said down for really shitty fish really and shitty food in Basel. <laughs> and uh, it was quite the adventure. Well, it's been really fun and I wouldn't have imagined it to be so incredible at the end. So I'm nor I'm, is difficult. I mean, really it was so much more complex and such a wild road. So many variables and as a designer, I'm used to compromises. That's what design is. And it's a matter of managing those decisions mm-hmm. as you go. And some things that I don't mean that in accepting good enough compromise, but deviating from your original vision while staying true to the, the root DNA of the, the, the of the design of your original intent. It's crazy all this shit we had to go through. Well, it's, it's also, you think about the original design, which we won't spend a lot of time on, but you really nailed working within the confines of this mechanical piece. Yeah. And that was, that was probably that's you, you articulated it better than my, uh, hungover, butt did this morning, but yeah, I mean, that's really what it was all about is that process. And not to mention it's a whole nother, we could do a show on each element of this, but like trying to get the best possible suppliers for every single component to work with us 
with no name in the watch world, no volume. Most of these companies didn't even want to talk to us unless we were doing 500 units right. or more of a given yeah. SKU. Yeah. And I'm like, guys, no, I think that, that model's broken, which is the last thing they want to hear. No, and, they, that's, and I think that's what's gotten the Swiss into big trouble is these huge numbers. You're, you're spot on with the 50 pieces only. It's as exclusive as the vehicle. And in serendipity and it, it, has always been my friend. Because they basically, we we definitely realized who the right supplier was. You would have been at that meeting if you hadn't, uh, you know, an expired passport. <laughs> but anyway, uh, they were done with me. And they said, yeah, you know, great. Nice it wasn't you. expired. Okay, but it's going to expire in like four days. <laughs> but anyway, I, it was incredible. As, uh, as the meeting was over, the CEO of the company just was sort of doing his smile and kiss the baby's pass through. And we exchanged cards and he, he left the room and he came right back in. He goes, Icon, like like Bronco Icon? My my best friend, he has one of your cars in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And he, he loves the brand. I know your brand. And he's totally entered. He goes, yeah, more than happy to work with you. I respect the ethic. I see the potential. We'll do whatever volume you want. Let's play. It was just awesome. amazing. You know, Otherwise, we were, you know, screwed. No, we chose the exact right partner. Yeah. We, we got lucky. So I just had a question, Jonathan. I mean, one person may have an idea for a watch or something. And say for me, for example, and I might rough sketch some ideas, find a manufacturer, a maker, give it to them, and then they have to put together the CAD design and stuff. But in your case, were you able to actually produce some 3D modeling and actually give that to them All yeah i did i modeled personally every single component down in everything and then in fact when i went to them and i'm like you know they want the you know whatever tens of thousands for design research and then for modeling and i'm like no 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 that stuff's all good to go here it is in your cad program you used ready to rock I had already 3D printed five or six variants. I like was already uh, okay. down that road, which yeah. they found very confusing. Oh, we're gonna, wow. we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna, we'll come right back and we'll talk a little bit more about how Jonathan did the design. Yeah. Okay. WatchGeekTime.com podcast. We'll be right back. What does your watch say about you? Right now, it's saying. You could have more money in your pocket. You see, the real real, the world's finest seller of authentic luxury items, can help you sell any fine watch that you're ready to move on. Our master watchmakers and horologists will give you a free quote. There's no obligation to consign. But if you do, you could make twice as much as through other watch resellers. Learn more and earn more at therealreal.com radio. That's therealreal.com radio. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even a UFH2O. That's not good. That's not good. That's really not good. It happened August 14th, 2008, and we covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. This is the Watch Geek Time Podcast. I don't care what consequence it brings. I have been a fool for lesser things. I want you so 
I would have hit the record button earlier, but you, you were so on key with Billy. Welcome back to Watch Geek Time. We're talking with Jonathan Ward of Icon 4x4 and Icon Watch Company. So the process, Jonathan, we were when we got cut away, we were talking about how we chose this particular vendor to help us with, with the watch. And Jody, you had a great question. Yeah. Uh, I mean, normally you might, generally I would assume people, especially who aren't manufacturers themselves, would go to a, a, a manufacturer and say, this is the idea. And then they would basically take over the whole project and make it work. But in your case, you pretty much uh, did your homework with the 3D modeling and everything like that. Yeah, because yeah. even even with my automotive projects many times, even with my in-house engineers, I'll if I just pass off an idea or a pencil sketch or something verbalized, the reality is it's going into their brain to be reinterpreted right. and to come out again. That kills it for me, especially on a watch where from a design perspective, I know every little stupid details already in my head right so i i studied on a new cad software platform to specifically be able to handle all of that in a manner that i could pass it off and it was not open to interpretation right i was like no 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 no, exactly this and all the vendors we were speaking with uh had a kind of hard time getting their head around that because it doesn't happen and they're like uh no we're like here's the fee we do that i'm like no 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 no, no. it's ready to go and you know there was a learning curve too where we were 3d printing them in-house several variations and you know like they're still like in the ashtray of my car <laughs> it's funny <laughs> i just ran into them the other day but yeah I, I we really had high clarity on what we wanted going in and you know, in Switzerland, it's such a hidden world of cloak and dagger and hidden briefcases and suppliers, and no one wants to share. They don't want to share anything. And, I, and frankly, I think a lot of times, because it's bullshit, and they're basically subletting it you know, somewhere in Asia right. and bringing it in and still calling it Swiss made and making their margin. You know, if the uh, U.S. federal program for Made in America did anything like what the Swiss Watch Federation has been able to push through Swiss government. Like Swiss made, just like made in Italy, hardly means anything anymore. The U.S., the stringence, you know, very, very, very high to say U.S. made. I mean, like look look at uh, Shinola, for example. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, the consumer is so hardcore buying into Swiss made, they, you, know, you got to play that game. Well, but even the Swiss regulation uh, boards have said, well... So long as this many parts yeah. are made here. Well, it's like the Italian or, luxury bag brand. Like 99% of it's made in Asia. Mm. Then it comes in. If it's assembled here. Well, literally, but assembled can mean putting a tang on the zipper. <laughs> yeah, okay. But at the same time, uh, this was all made in Switzerland. And we, we got lucky with the right partner. And the only other route that could have made, well, that did not make sense, which is why we did it, is to go to every subset supplier in Switzerland that we knew of, the crystal guy, the, this guy. But again, it, we're doing 50 units, just, just the legwork to get around and do all of that. And then the QC for assembly just didn't make sense. So I was, I was happy to pay a bit more. But to have the assurance and the decades of experience and quality by working with a singular partner helped us police all the other partners. I do like how on the back of the case it says designed in California, 
crafted in Switzerland. Each one's individually numbered. There's only 50. And I believe there's only, correct me, 25 left. Yeah, I think 22 or 23 left. They're, they're not out yet. They're, they're, being, they're ready for shipment in uh, mid-April. And uh, we've pre-sold over half of them, fortunately. And uh, we're looking forward to it. We're also going to have them in stock uh, in New York at, uh, with our friends Analog Shift. Is that analogshift.com? Yes. Yeah. James Lambden, great guy, long, long time watch geek buddy. And uh, we just got to talking about it. He's like, well, you should, you know, have them here so people mm-hmm. can touchy feely on the it's East great. Coast. I'm like, duh. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Well, I think they have to see it, but I think it photographs well either uh, as well. So you can see it at Icon 4x4. That's I C O N 4x4.com. I want to talk about some of the goodies you brought. Cool. Of course, I love this Patek Philippe chronograph. 5170, the modern one. Woohoo! Look at the back of this one, Jody. Oh, it's mind blowing, actually. That... Don't give us all the details because we don't want to know, but is it one of your faves? It is, and it's one of the, like, you, you know, for the kids one day, like when I got to pay for college or something, but I, it's an honor to have it. And I actually love how under the radar it is. It's so incredibly oh. understated, but it's so fantastic. And the finish on the back. I yeah, don't it's, think- it's one of those, you, if you, you don't know, unless you know, sort of pieces, which is up my alley. And that was actually, um, and a, a gift from a client. It's it's outside of my pay grade. It's uh, outside of all of our pay grades. Yeah, there's, <laughs> but there's a couple cool vintage uh, Pateks in there that uh, were lucky finds. Uh, in fact, our friends at The Real Real, uh, when they had their first New York uh, pop-up, I happened to stumble in there and uh, massive score, late 60s, um, integral bracelet, white gold, super funky case shape, about 38, 39 mil. How about the crown on the back? Oh, yeah, I love that. It's a killer. I have a couple of those watches with the, the rear surface crown. I actually find that enticing. You're definitely going to see these pictures on the website at watchgeekdike.com and on Instagram at instagram.com, watchgeektimepicks, P-I-X. This is fantastic. Yeah, it's super groovy. I actually went to a 70s so, party last night. It's so 70s. Yeah, I rocked that and an afro. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third Patek there is uh, mid-50s, uh, gold case, black dial, all original, just um, kind of lovely and simple classic. Is that that square one in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, smaller square. That's a little small for you, I think. It is, but it came with a cool story again, and you know me and stories, so yeah. I just went for it. Tell me. Well, that one was uh, one owner. It was uh, a guy from uh, Juilliard in New York. Um, he basically stopped wearing it like 30, 40 years ago, and it had just sat around. So it came with the original box and papers and was sold in New York and just kind of cool. And I like the originality of it. And it, you have everything with it? Yeah. Oh, so how about this glasshoot that uh, this oh, is so German? The bridge. Yeah. The, the, that glasshoot is just batshit cool. And I, I love the, the way they use the rubies as exposed elements. Uh, same with the bridge. And the legibility is high, but the visual complexity is, is up there as well. And as a designer, I always find that to be a challenge that I think a lot of watches... They're visually enticing, but then it takes you a minute to tell what time it is, and then that's a fail to me. 
Yeah. Also, I like the German stuff, and Scott and I have debated this a lot. I, I'm down with everything except often there there's a coldness to the finish work and like razor sharp 90 degree transitions and stuff. And I like, I don't get that. It actually makes me laugh. It's like, ah, but this one's not German. This, this one's not exactly. Man. This one's not, it, 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 it's has a more delicate, um, finish quality to it. Oh, I love this watch. Just so fantastic. This is a Senator. Yeah. Senator, XL or they've got a billion names for them. I'm holding an Amvox. By the way, nobody asked me what I'm wearing today. I'm also wearing an Amvox. But Jonathan has a, this is a titanium Jaeger LeCoultre Amvox. This is a one, I believe. Yeah, it's the AM1, which is their Aston Martin pairing. So you can see the, look at the DNA there, Jody. You can see for sure that they're both Amvox watches. This is an alarm watch. Unfortunately, it's more reliable than it's Aston Martin pairing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that alarm's you, gnarly, man. It'll wake you up out of a, out of a coma. That, uh, and I love the brown, sort of the browns and gray color groups are quite yeah. unique in the watch space. And uh, that was part of the draw to me. It's a very sort of smoky, subtle coloration. And I like the finish of that titanium. Probably my favorite finishing ever has been, you know, if you guys remember Hans Vetstein. He's a great designer. He did the Ventura watch brand. Oh, yeah. They were all COSC until they went with their funky digital, literally digital watch. I had one. Automatic movement in the back, which technically was fascinating. But at the same time, their traditional analog watches were, were so unique. And they had a killer titanium DLC diamond-like coating. That literally, like one of mine, I, I wore it welding and crafting and hammering and planishing in the shop for like 10 years. And like even like little turds of welding splatter would like roll right off of that finish. <laughs> and uh, I always found that interesting. That was in, in turn also part of the motivation for the surface on the Icon Doozy. Oh, the the, mm-hmm. the, the roughness? Yeah. Well, I'm also inspired, uh, e- even the, the Icon you rolled up in has that sort of roughish finish. Yeah, sheen. It's not like murdered out in matte. So I'll use, uh, like the body is powder coated, but there's nanoparticles of mica in suspension in the powder. So it's not like flat and drab. It plays with light. So I think anytime you have curvature or hard angle transitions, if a surface plays with the light, it makes it much more personal like you're you're drawn to it you want to pet it you want to study it and that creates a a better relationship to me listeners design 101 with jonathan ward (laughs) that was fantastic jonathan we're going to tear through the rest of these watches um because we're getting towards the end of the show here so tell me about this panerai uh it's the california dial 1950 i'm usually so panerai adverse because it just seems like bro nice watch but that but, one <laughs> but this one always spoke to me and uh it was a fun opportunity to uh kind of change it out i don't understand the band so i had this 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 great guy this great band maker make the band for me and it just kind of makes it more distinct and again it's one of those under the radar uh, you don't really notice it, but I do find it's too big for little old me. So I really don't wear it that much, but I, I love looking at it. It is a lot of watch for you. Yeah. It's got, it's got the Cali dial, which means it's a mixture of Arabic 
and Roman numerals, and it's a throwback to the Rolex watch. The finish on the back is killer. Finish is gorgeous, but you know what's bullshit on that watch is it's an acrylic crystal. Like, are you kidding? Well, that's me? why it came with two. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and then they, they defended and like, oh, that's part of the heritage. No, that's a part of you didn't have the technical capability in the old days. <laughs> now you do. If you're going to reissue it, make it better. Tell me about this beautiful Octavia. Yeah, so this is uh, this was an interesting find. I was uh, in Europe on business and I ended up uh, having a day off. So I blew over to uh, Amsterdam to geek out for the day. And this one uh, was from Amsterdam Watches, which are great guys, by the way, watch geeks. If you find yourself out in that area, there's some great watch shops, them being to me the best. But this is an old Seamaster. It has the inside rotating bezel. It's full of patina, sort of gray background with uh, black and reds for the sub dials and sort of the target format black and red at six o'clock. But old tropical original tropical with the uh, omega class but again very being, unusual but... being a geek for story the whole reason i bought it why well, a the patina was killer but it came with a, a letter from the original owner that talked about the journeys that the watch had been through he was a nat geo photographer so this watch has been through the arctic circle multiple times up and down the amazon like all these killer adventures and, and to, to have that connection to to that story and to have the letter like kind of made it for me heritage and history i love why it. we're all hooked on this stuff that's like there's uh, that hewer that early uh hewer chrono that i bought if you look on the back side the original pilot owner literally like hack carved into the case his squadron and his and the date oh no when shit he got the watch and then that... april 25th 1942 no july and July. then that came with a little black, little brown leather Fantastic. photo album documenting the guy's adventures. Like literally he crashed his junker plane in Algiers. Oh, so there's a picture of him with the wreckage of the plane with like a little dig out in the sand wearing the watch. Unbelievable. Then there's a picture of him at a bar with his buddies with their beers wearing the watch. And it was like, oh, come on. Like I'm in. I'm such. I a, love that shit. Like it's done. Wow. Um, um, yeah. I don't think I'll ever, hopefully, have to sell that beast. Hey man, I really appreciate you coming by today. Jonathan Ward was our guest in studio. Good fun. Always good to come. Welcome chat anytime, yeah, gentlemen. Shoutouts. Uh, yeah, Judy, George, uh, Matt, Leo, and Barry. How about you? Just you, cats. I'm all good. Uh, I love this guy. <laughs> Shout out to Roman Down Under, the neighbors, Ken and Tom, Susan and Jamie, John and David, Will and Alicia, April, Andy and Trudy and Florence. Big shout out to Chris and Arun out at One Source, Tara from Feld, Antoine Macedo from Antoine Macedo Watches in Paris, George, Diane and Dylan out there in Woodland Hills, the high-tech Texan, my San Diego friends, Tim and Jenna, Richard. And Austin, my brother Adam and of course, in Diego, my Uncle Don. Thanks again to our sponsors, Farmers Insurance, bum 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 and ElementInTime.com. Merci beaucoup to David, our announcer. Last but not least, thanks to my watch geek wingman, Jody. You're welcome. It's a conversation about heritage, history, and why we're all hooked on horology. It's the WatchGeekTime.com podcast. Until next week, bye-bye. bye-bye.